Um, this morning, what I want to do, uh, we're kind of just uh, looking at this first Sunday is kind of launching us into all those topics I mentioned or all those sections of scripture we'll be exploring over the year. And so I just want to kind of share a little thought about the new year. Uh, for me, in the last few years, uh, I have found the transition from one year to the next year to be like a really, really healthy and meaningful thing for me. Uh, what I've done that maybe is a little bit different than I have in the past is I've tried to really kind of section off time uh, over the holiday season to be alone, to be quiet, to listen, uh, to reflect, to write down some goals, to think about what happened in the past, and to imagine what the next year will look like. And uh, I don't do that in what you might consider to be like the New Year's resolution kind of way, because the truth is we all know we're breaking those anyway, right? Um, I do it more in a sense of uh, invitation uh, to reprioritize, to, to look at the year ahead and say, what, what would it look like if I reprioritized certain things in my life? What would it look like if I evaluated how last year went and made some simple tweaks that might require more simplicity or might require more intention or might uh, require me to like actually motivate myself to do a particular thing or to be with a particular person. And uh, I have found that that chance to kind of reboot and to re-examine has been a meaningful practice. And uh, almost a sense of like personally casting a vision over the year to come. And so this break, I also decided to take a little bit of time to think through what would it look like to imagine and maybe even try to answer a question that's probably impossible to individually answer, and that is, what does God hold in store for new community over 2019? If we could simply define it and uh, describe it in a way, what is God calling us into? What is the vision uh, of our community for 2019? And I don't have specifics on that, but I do have a passage that God kept like bringing to my attention and again and again that seemed to be uh, one that I would encourage us to look at this morning and one that could in some ways uh, speak to what 2019 maybe has to offer in terms of us as a community. Um, so if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn and also be on the screen to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, we're specifically going to look at a few verses starting in verse 16 through 21. I'm going to read that, and um, the passage goes like this. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. And then God says this, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, in rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I give drink to my chosen people, the people who, whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise." 
What I want to do over just a few minutes is touch on a few phrases that I think are quite meaningful and might speak to us about this year to come. Uh, and the first idea is that this whole passage is rooted in an idea surrounded with love. Anytime you read the text, it is imperative that you consider the context. It's important that you really don't just look at what it's saying, but look at what the scriptures around it, and even in the book, or even in the chapter, are communicating. And this entire thing we just read is rooted deeply in the section right before it. In fact, I want to read verses 1 to 4 in Isaiah 43. It says this, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, God is saying this, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. The promises of the text we read just a minute ago are rooted in this. The entire context is surrounded by the idea that you are deeply loved, that you've been chosen, that whatever this year ahead offers to you individually, or to us collectively, that it is an invitation out of love, that it is born out of a sense that you are deeply loved and cared for, and that frames everything you'll experience this year. The second phrase that stood out to me is this. He says, I am doing. God says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. For me, this is probably one of the most reassuring phrases in the text. It's, re it's reassuring because God is saying, hey, a new thing is coming, but more importantly, the emphasis is on the fact that he is doing it. That in order for you to experience whatever it is that's going to be new this year, whatever it is that he has in store for you to experience, the truth of the matter is he has to do it. It's completely dependent on him. That whatever you experience and however it is you move through it is totally dependent on him. Which should encourage us in this way. It means there's no pressure. It means there's no expectations means you can cease striving. That anxiety you feel, that like burning inside to keep going or that you don't measure up, that you can't quite achieve, he's saying, it wasn't going to be you doing it anyway. Who are you kidding? Cease striving. There's no expectation. You don't have to manage every detail. You can let go. You don't have to figure out how to manage other people or keep things in line, like, let it go. Because he's saying, I'm doing the new thing. I'm 
guiding this year. I'm the one that's moving you into something new. The third phrase that stood out to me is that the thing that's happening is new, that it's fresh, that it's not seen before. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Have you not noticed? Something new is happening. And so I've been asking myself over the last few days, what does it take to be able to see or behold something new happening in our midst? Because sometimes I'm keenly aware of being present in a moment, but not fully aware of what's taking place. Maybe you've experienced that with other people too. It's usually when a screen is about this far from their face. They're there, but you kind of know they're not. They're distracted. They don't see what's fully happening. And I think what it requires for us is to be in the present. So one of the things he mentions is forget the former things. Don't think about the past. Live kind of in this moment. So instead of worrying about what happened or thinking about what's coming, the best way to experience the new is to be present in it. To take each day as it comes and each experience as it's fresh. I think it also requires for a community to see something new coming to be present, like to be available, to be engaged, to be here, to be with each other, to be in group. Uh, it's really hard to see what God is doing in the midst of a community or in a family or in your group if you only see him every now and then, if you're not really engaged in relationship, if you don't know people by name. It's hard to see what God is doing in the midst of a community. But I also think it requires imagination. And what I mean by that is to be able to see something that's present that might not even fully be present yet. That anything that comes that's new kind of like builds over time and you might see inklings of it and then it like grows in strength and you become more aware and more in tune, but sometimes that requires initially an imagination. Maybe a prophetic imagination, a sense of like what could be or what will be or what we hope might be. I had the distinct privilege of going back to Shannon's uh, family's home over Christmas. They live in a small town in Indiana called Goshen, Indiana. And uh, over the break, there was a Sunday that we weren't here, and uh, so we went to church in Goshen, Indiana, and we could choose any church we wanted to, and I heard about this one little church that was on a street corner in probably one of the lowest income neighborhoods in Goshen. Uh, so Goshen is pretty unique. It's like decently affluent Caucasian, then a whole section of... Um, uh, primarily Hispanic Mexican immigrants, and then a section that would be probably classified as like white trash, right? And so that's the section that we decided to go to for right after Christmas church service, and we hung out in this church, and we showed up just on time for the service because we figured they might start on time, unlike other churches. And... Um, 
we got there in time and we sat down in one of the uh, pews that was available and, um, and the place was kind of a buzz. And I sat there for a moment and there's many ways that you can see a church when you come in, right? You can see it for what I think oftentimes people do, uh, which is like the size of the building or the pews or uh, other ways you might see it. So if I was to describe it with one set of eyes, I would describe the church this way. Uh, in incredibly dirty. You walk in, stuff scattered everywhere. Uh, you get into the auditorium, and they had some banners, but they weren't really cool like our banners. Um, they, they had, like, decorations, but everything was kind of like, it, it just, everything kind of seemed out of place. Uh, everyone was kind of like, uh, kind of a little bit frantic and rushed, and they sat down, and then they had a time of singing, and the best way to describe it would be if Kevin and I led worship on a Sunday, and we're like planking on the keyboard, and it, it like, they, the song they were singing was like, kind of going out of style in the 80s, and, the, and yet they were rocking it really hard, um, and Everything around, if you were to look at it, you would go, man, what is going on here? But here's what happened. I, I went in and I sat down, and uh, next to me was this, uh, was this lady who appeared to be a little bit older. And if you know me at all, I'm a curious fellow, and so I sat down and we greeted one another, and she asked who my family was, and uh, I asked her very simply, how long have you been a part of the church? And she's like, oh, I started coming here in 1950. And I was like, oh, so, you know, just a little bit. That's great. Um, you've been around for a little. And um, I said, can you tell me a little bit about the church? And she just, all of a sudden she goes, yeah, one year ago today, we were going to close it. And I go, what do you mean close it? She goes, nobody was here. Church was dying. It wasn't, it was, wasn't worth it. I mean, there was only a few people. And I go, so what's different? And she's like, look at it. She goes, there wasn't a single parking spot open, and the whole auditorium is full. Mind you, there was probably, I don't know, less than 200 people present. And she goes, this is amazing. I go, tell me, tell me what's happened. And she goes, I can't really describe it, but I can just say God is up to something, right? that something new was happening, that something exciting was happening. So the service goes on, and now I have a fresh set of eyes to see everything, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm experiencing, and they opened it up in the middle of the service for a praise time, like, hey, if you have a praise that you want to share, and I figured it's going to last two, three minutes, they'll pass the mic around, and 20 minutes later, they're still, like, raising their hands and saying a praise and, like, just thanking God for things. He gives a quick little talk. Service wraps up. Hey, everybody. Benediction. See you later. And all of a sudden, at least a third of the audience gets up, and they all rush to the front. And I'm like, what is going on? No invitation was given. I'm like, something weird. Like, maybe I'm missing out on something. I don't know what's going on. And they rush to the front. And there was pastor was standing here, and then another gentleman came up and stood here, and there were lines, like, 
30, 40, 50 people. And um, all of a sudden, every single person in the room pulled out a sheet of paper and w was walking up to the pastor to sign. And every one of those individuals was on work release and needed to be signed out of the service. And then the other third of the church were all relatives, husbands, wives, kids of those on work release. I just, their husband had just, the praises were like, my husband just got out of incarceration two days ago. We're so thankful. And now we can be here to worship together. Or be praying, I'm, you know, I'm really excited. So-and-so is doing awesome. He's been in jail for the last year. And man, God's really getting a hold of his life. And then the other like third of the church were people who just lived in this poor neighborhood and showed up every Sunday, like this lady that started in 1950 and was a part of what God was doing. And man, I looked at this place and I was like amazed that God is doing something new and fresh. And he's doing it everywhere. But mm, sometimes we just don't have eyes to see. And so my prayer is that God will invite us and continue to invite us into new things. He's invited us into this location. He's asked us to step out into new uh, adventures. He's calling us to new mission. Uh, and maybe personally, he's inviting you to step out in some ways. And so God is up to something new, and he's doing it in our life and in your life. And may he continue to do that through our community this year. The next phrase that caught my eye was, he says this, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What the text is describing is what all of us know, and that likelihood is that in 2019, there will be moments that feel like the wilderness. For some of you, 2018 had those moments. Moments you felt like you were in the desert. Moments you felt were full of dryness and loneliness, times where you shed many a tear. Some of you look ahead to 2019 and you're, you're a little bit nervous. And what this text is saying is that he will sustain life. Text is saying that he will bring water to the dry places, which is this idea of like refreshment and energy and life. He's saying that you can be confident rather than nervous about the year ahead because he's saying he'll be present in that moment with you. Whatever your family's experiencing, whatever you're experiencing, whatever the request that maybe you had for someone else in your world, God is saying, I will make a way. It's part of what I do. It's my job. If you continue to depend on me, if you continue to rely on me, I'll make a way. And that's part of why we wanted to start this year with prayer. Because we have to have complete dependence that it, like he said earlier, that I, I'm doing the work. And now he's saying here again, I will make the way. And the beautiful thing is this last phrase. He says that they may declare my praise. So he wraps up this section in Isaiah 43, and he says, I'm making a way. Behold, I'm doing something new. That I'm at work. I'm inviting you into fresh snow, to an uncharted path, to days ahead that you don't know what will come. And as you step into those things, he's saying that the end result will be that you'll declare praise. 
that lives will be changed, that an impact will be had, that he will provide, that you will be aware of his presence, you'll be aware of the new thing he's starting. And so my prayer for this year, my hope for us as a community is that we will walk into this new thing, that we'll look to the year ahead and be curious. Curious about what God is up to, curious about what he's doing, not striving, not trying to reach, but just resting in his work and then experiencing all that he has for us. Will you stand with me? We'll do a benediction. And then I'll give you just a, a few instructions about uh, our pancake time. All right, let's pray. New community, may the truth we heard this morning resonate, that we may come to know the love of God deeply and expansively. May we have eyes to see the new thing that you are doing among us, and may we give you our full dependence on what lies ahead. We go in the peace of Christ, and we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. While you're standing, let me give you just 30 seconds of instructions. Uh, in just one moment, these doors will open up. You can enter either through that set of doors or just through here. Uh, there are, like I said, uh, youth group kids making the pancakes. Um, grab them, eat them wherever. You can eat anywhere in here. There's also some tables set up in there. Uh, there's coffee in the coffee room. You can hang out anywhere and everywhere. The hope is you'll connect with someone you, either you don't know, invite someone to sit with a group of people that you do know, connect with your small group, or if, uh, if, you, are, uh, if you have kids in the youth group and you want to connect with Carter, I told Carter that he'll be available uh, kind of off to the side and uh, just wants to get to know you more as parents, chance to grill him, ask him questions about the year to come. Um, anyhow, love uh, for you to stay, hang out, and be a community together. All right, you're dismissed.